Hi, my name is Tracy Brown, and this is Spiritual Practices That Work. On today's show, I'll be talking with Sporty King and John Neese. Sporty King is a powerful professional speaker based in North Carolina, and we'll be talking about the role of spiritual practices when you're struggling through hard times. And John Neese will be sharing some highly recommended resources. Of course, there'll be a Spiritual Practices Makeover later in the show. So, welcome to this edition of Spiritual Practices That Work. We'll be right back. Career consultant and life coach, Maureen McDonald has helped hundreds of individuals and families navigate a job loss, career transition, or job search in this difficult economy. And she can help you, too. Whether it's adjusting to leaving the military and entering civilian life, just graduating college, or simply reinventing yourself, she can work with you locally or via Skype. Her services also include interview prep, professional resumes, cover and follow-up letters, and much more. To get Maureen working for you, contact her at 817-449-5800. That's 817-449-5800. Once again, 817-449-5800. Or you can email her at mcdonaldmaureen16 at yahoo.com. Give your career that extra edge. Call Maureen McDonald today at 817-449-5800. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Harbin, and I'm here to serve. Whether you're looking to heal past wounds or find your angels and spirit guides, I'm a certified professional card reader with experience in hypnotherapy and energy work as well. My angels and spirit guides and I can provide you with information you need to take that next step on your path. Schedule some time with me by calling 214-454-0072. You heard this message for a reason, and together we can find out why. Hi, I'm Tracy Brown. Please join me here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network for Spiritual Practices That Work. Together, we'll experience inner peace, we'll learn how to be calm in a crisis, recognize and honor our connection to spirit, and so much more. So join me here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. If you are ready to attract what you want and release the rest, I'll see you right here Tuesday evenings, 9 p.m. Central. This is Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. Everybody say Namaste, 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 Namaste. Hi, Tracy Brown here, and today I'm talking with Sporty King. Sporty King is an award-winning speaker and an amazing all-around good guy. And we're going to talk about how spiritual practices come into play when we are struggling with hard times. Let me be sure the technology is working. Sporty King, are you with me? Yes, I am. Great. I'm so glad you joined us today. And I couldn't think of anybody better to talk about struggling through hard times with than you, not because you have had an extraordinary experience with hard times, but I know that both you and I have gone through some hard times in our lives just like everybody else. And so it's important. I think, for us to really stop and go, wait, what spiritual practices have worked for us in the past when 
we've been struggling with money issues or relationship issues or uh, anything else, deaths in the family. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a huge one. Let me, let me write that one down. I want to make sure I get something in on that because that, that, that was um, – I, the, in fact, that one, I've already got something ready for the next time it happens. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that, that fit into the category of, oh, uh, I'm learning from experience. The last time it happened, I didn't do so well, but now I got something in my back pocket. Well, well you know what? That, that would be the heading, but the funny thing is that, you know me, I have to have a twist on everything. Of course. And, and my twist is that last time I did so well, that I decided that the next time I'm just, I'm not going to be the rock. I'm just going <laughs> to I want to be the person that just falls out and loses it next time. <laughs> okay, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have asked. Um, although, if if I were going to make a connection to spiritual practices that work, sometimes it is really important to. Uh, feel whatever it is you're feeling, and uh, let somebody else step in and be the strong one. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and of course, you know what? I think that the other part of it is that's part of the dealing with it is to make it humorous. Uh, because what it, yeah, what I'm talking about is when when my mother died, uh, mm-hmm. I was the rock for the family. So I told my sister, I said, look. When you die, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to jump in the casket. I'm going to just show out at the funeral. I said, because I already did my rock funeral. I said, I'm not <laughs> going to do it again. Yeah. Somebody else's turn to right. be the rock. Right. So, so what does come to mind for you when you think about whatever it is that's a hard time? Like what's the first thing that's a spiritual practice that, that comes up for you? For, for me, it's, it's actually remembering that I've read the Bible and that in the Bible, I always say that no good stories, they're all good endings. And, ah, nice. Yeah, and every book in the Bible, there's, somebody has a problem and then they have, to have, they have to have prayer and patience and then they get the testimony. So I understand that that three-pronged um, system has to happen. Prayer, patience, testimony. Yep. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you would start there because I think that for many people, when they read the Bible, they, they're reading it literally and they're not looking beneath for the meaning. Uh, you know, what does this really mean and how do I apply it in my life? Yeah, that, and, and, and you know, and I think that that's uh, it's a tough thing to do. It, uh, I, what actually helped me do it was uh, I decided to read the Bible as a novel, mm-hmm. and I did it at a time where I was uh, having um, some spiritual uh, warfare, where I I had a problem with my church and 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 had to leave the church, and uh, but I said, you know what, I. I Maybe I'm having a problem with the church, but I don't want to leave God. And so, right. so I decided to just do a little bit of research on my own. And in the long run, it was, it was the best way for me to do it. So reading it as a novel, I, I just start to understand it a little better. And I've read it six times now. <laughs> I love what you just said about I may have a problem with the church, but I don't have a problem with God. When we 
remember that our spiritual practices are about connecting us, each one of us, with spirit, connecting us with God, that we each have our own individual connection. So we don't absolutely need a pastor, a preacher, an imam, a priest. We don't absolutely need that, and we don't absolutely need the church and the uh, community. It just adds a different element to our experience. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Yeah, because I would not want to flush it out of the system. Just uh, <laughs> keep it in the keep it in the right place, because that in in some effects, you know, in some way, you're hurting the church. If you're going there and you're not bringing the right spirit. Correct, 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 correct. So a lot of times when we talk about spiritual practices, people make the assumption that we're only talking about prayer and meditation. And I bring that up every week, it seems, but it's because I've talked to so many people that that's where they start and that's where they stop. And your reference to reading the Bible and, you know, really reading it, reading the stories of it reminds me that it's important for us to look to our spiritual text, whether it's the Bible or the Koran or the Torah or the Science of Mind textbook or whatever it is or the Course of Miracles, that we use it as a reference, but we also read it and review it and think about what the meaning is. And there's so many other things we could read as well. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's a funny thing. One of the things that I ended up reading it, um, you know, I like to do acronyms. So, yes, I know. So uh, let me throw one right here that, that takes, right, you know, what you're saying about, you know, forcing it into being a religious thing. I use the one faith. Okay. Faith, yes. F-A-I-T-H, feeling as if there's hope. So that's not necessarily saying that you have to go to the Bible or go to meditation. It's just that you have to have a, a belief and, and a strong belief. And so I had a situation where uh, a good friend of mine, a couple, a married couple, they gave me a blank journal to, to use, and, and, it ha and it actually had a, a title on it, but it's a book of blank pages, and it's called Walking by Faith. And, mm -hmm. and as I filled it up as my journal, now that becomes something that I can go to when I need to, uh, you know, instead of going to a Bible or into meditation, I can just read about myself, about how I've been feeling on certain days, how I, how I handle certain situations, because that's, that's an important thing we need to do is process how we made it through last time. Yeah, I think you have a really good point there. And, of course, I love the acronym for FAITH. And what I did not say in the very brief introduction was that you are the absolute king of acronyms. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what I'm reflecting on from what you said is the, the point that we can provide our spiritual practice from our own experience and I don't think I don't I know I don't think about that that much and I am someone who journals a lot but that's really powerful that I can reflect on and I can review how I handled this or something like it in the past and in that way I am connecting in with spiritual guidance 
Yeah, because think about it, just to, to use the example from earlier, whether it's the Bible or anything, the Koran, or just a, a novel. When we read somebody else's writing, at the same time that we're reading, our brain is trying to process what the writer meaning is. To, right. You, you know, because you're anticipating the story and, and uh, what the hero is going to do and, and all of that. But so if we can just uh, read our own writing, first of all, we kind of say, oh, wait a minute, I know where I'm going with this. And then, yes. like, then you get encouraged and like, wow, I handled that pretty well. Yes, yeah, so or I know what to do or I know what not to do or I know who to go to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great insight. So I know that you – as a speaker, as an inspirational speaker especially, uh, have the opportunity to inspire others. And I'm just wondering if there are any stories in the last few months that really come to mind where you had the opportunity to combine your ability to inspire people as you, as you spoke and at the same time weave in or either come from a place where your spiritual uh, grounding really helped. You know, I, I would actually say that happens a lot because I, I always, I don't believe I can weave a story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't believe I can inspire anybody if I don't weave in a part of who I am. And, mm-hmm. and, and so one of the, one of the, the good things that I really enjoy is being on the program where there's a speaker before me, whether they're a good speaker or not factual or whatever they're talking about and then I can pick up something that they said and then when it's my turn to speak I'll weave in something that they said to the audience just as right so yeah so it's always yeah I always uh am finding a way because one of the things that I remember when I started speaking in my third year of speaking I remember um coming in uh, a philosophy that I call hearing what you say and uh-huh. I actually heard what I was saying to the audience. And I had to ask myself, I'm asking them to do something. Am I willing to do that? Or is that something I'm practicing in my life? And so uh-huh. I did a self-inventory, and I was so happy to find out that I actually was doing what I was asking people to do. But ever since then, I've always held on to that principle, and that is hear what you're saying. And and as you do that, you realize that a lot of times, similar to Moses, you know, and I'm going to use a biblical reference, is I always, people say to me, oh, you're the speaker? I heard you're really good. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And I always say to them, I say, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, been there. Like, uh, I need my speech today. You think I'm giving it for you, but uh, mm -mm, no, Sari, I'm giving it for me. Um, You know, that's really interesting, too, to me, because a lot of times we go to churches or spiritual centers and we listen to the preacher or the pastor or the minister or the spiritual leader speak, and we know that a powerful speaker can touch your heart and give you guidance. At the same time, a lot of a lot of people sit there and try to find fault. 
well, I'm listening for when they misquote or I'm listening for when they don't make sense or, you know, and we forget about the hundreds and thousands of times that the speaker really does bring great knowledge forth. You speak a lot to military audiences. Right. And there are two questions here. One question is, how does your spiritual grounding come through? But the other question is, what do you do to keep yourself spiritually grounded so that you can be of service to them? It comes through in that uh, I remember when I first started, actually, because I don't have a military background. You know, I did not serve. So when, when I first started, I was a little intimidated that, you know, of how can I tell these people, the majority of whom have been to war, how can I tell them about appreciating life? And, and mm-hmm. seminars are also about uh, reintegration. These are soldiers that are either, uh, for the most part, coming back home and talking to them about getting back together with their families. And mm-hmm. so, so that was a little intimidating for me to, you know, how do I tell them to, to let go of what they've experienced and, and try to get back into the normal flow of society. So I think having that humbling uh, approach to, to wondering if I, wondering, challenging myself, can I reach these people, set me up well to where I realize, okay, you know what, this is a gift that God has given you. And you are going to go out here and deliver it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and just like we just got finished saying, I'm not here for, I, I need to give myself this speech to you guys. So I would, I would get out there and I gave my speech that I needed to hear to them. And, um, and then that's also actually, uh, what made me think about what I was saying earlier about I like being on a program with other speakers because a lot of times the, the speakers before me, in the military, and I don't think it's an insult to them because they're not professional speakers, and so their information is somewhat dry, and and the delivery because it's factual about their benefits and and what they have to do to you know to get these things to get their life back in order, and so it can be somewhat dry, and so I can listen to it, and then I get up there and bring some new life to it because now I've heard what they're really going through. And so mm-hmm. now I can, you know, you know, give it another, give it another spin. And, and the, from the reactions that I get, that empowers me for the next time that I speak to them. Because now I'm a lot more confident about what I'm saying. And I know that I'm not, uh, you know, some civilian who's asking something of them that's unrealistic. Right. So I'm watching the time, and we need to take a little bit of a break. But when we come back from the break, let's talk about how our belief in God and how our spiritual, daily spiritual practices really kick in when we ourselves are up against the wall. Hang in there with us, and we'll be right back after this break.
career consultant, and life coach, Maureen McDonald has helped hundreds of individuals and families navigate a job loss, career transition, or job search in this difficult economy. And she can help you, too. Whether it's adjusting to leaving the military and entering civilian life, just graduating college, or simply reinventing yourself, she can work with you locally or via Skype. Her services also include interview prep, professional resumes, cover and follow-up letters, and much more. To get Maureen working for you, contact her at 817-449-5800. That's 817-449-5800. Once again, 817-449-5800. Or you can email her at mcdonaldmaureen16 at yahoo.com. Give your career that extra edge. Call Maureen McDonald today at 817-449-5800. It's Dallas' oldest and most trusted psychic fair. Since 1979, the Dallas Psychic Fair has been providing North Texas with over 75 different professional psychics, wellness practitioners, and vendors, plus workshops, classes, and galleries, all in one convenient location on the first Sunday of every month at the Doubletree Hotel, 4099 Valley View Lane in Dallas. All readings are just $15, admission just $7. Go online for a $2 off admission coupon and to pre-book and pay for your readings. Go to DallasPsychicFair.com. That's DallasPsychicFair.com. The Dallas Psychic Fair. Spiritual growth through mind, body, and soul connections. The Dallas Psychic Fair is produced by Enterprises. This is Michael Bernard Beckwith, the founder of Agape International Spiritual Center, saying, listen, you don't want to miss Wake Up, the sound of transformation, right here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. It's going to be a wonderful moment. Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Central. It's going to change your life. You're listening to Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. You're listening to Spiritual Practices That Work with Tracy Brown, and I'm having a delightful conversation with Sporty King, a speaker and the king of acronyms, and if you've never heard of him before today, uh, what we are talking about is how our spiritual practices sustain us and guide us during hard times. So, Sporty, let's jump right into what for most people are the hardest times of ever, when there's more month than money, there's you know, they've been unemployed for eight months and they've gone through their savings. You and I both have had times in our adult life where there was not enough money and we didn't know what we were going to do. So I know for me in times like that, it's been my faith and my having people do prayer with me and for me and really standing in faith that gets me through that. And I'm just curious what do you do and how does God play a part in you getting through hard times like that? Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, I, I call it living on offense because I think a lot of times we live on defense where we're hoping things work out. Well, you know, I hope this person isn't mad at me. I hope I can find this. I hope this outfit looks okay. We're, those are defensive statements that we're telling our spirit that we're not good enough or not up to par when we live on offense 
we say this is going to work out. And 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 even to fast forward, I always laugh at how we have just like when you say I'm the the king of acronyms. It's, to me, it's not it's it's not just the acronym; it's the power in the word, hmm. which is from the Bible. That there's so much power in the tongue. Think about what people say when they're having a rough time. They say, I'm going through a tough time. Well, through means that you're going to come out. So so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that we say to ourselves, I'm going through a tough time right now. So so hear what you're saying and then then get excited that you know that, wow, okay, this is what it looks like while it's up. So it's almost lying to yourself, too. But it's <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, but not quite. Well, you know, Winston Churchill's famous quote of if you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> is the same thing. If you're going through it and, and you stop, then you get stuck right there in the worst part, in the darkest part. So, yeah, if you keep I love I love what you said, living on offense. I know I'm going through it. And so. There, that means there is an end to it, and I'm going to start using that. I'm living on offense. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I especially like to apply that, you know, when people are looking for a job. You have to interview on offense. You can't interview on defense. Oh, I hope that I get this job. I hope I'm dressed right. You have to go in, you know, the interview is all about you. They're asking you. Tell me about yourself. Why should we hire you? Well, that's an offensive question. You have to say, well, here's, here's the reason. I can shoot. I can score. You know, whatever the reason, I can get you the points. I can play offense. So as you start right. to, to have that confidence, and it's, not, and it's not a false bravado either. You know, I don't believe in that fake it until you make it. Uh, that's not one of my cliches. I have I believe that you have to be real all the way. And sometimes being on offense uh, means that you're also a little bit vulnerable. And, yes. you know, and if you have, and if it's just not your day, you know, maybe letting someone know, look, this is what I'm dealing with today. Sometimes that's the greatest offensive move you can make because if you let me know that you need help, I can offer help, but if you're faking it to where I don't see that there's anything that I can do for you, I might just pass you by. Mm-hmm. We have that conversation a lot at my spiritual center because, in general, it's a very positive, uplifting place. And I think this is true for you know many centers, many churches, many spiritual communities. And then when someone is going through a really tough time or they wake up or they've been feeling sick for four or five days, not, you know, contagious stuff, but maybe they're on their verge of depression and they'll, they'll tell themselves, Oh, well, I'm not going to go to church today because everybody is going to be so happy and so upbeat. And I just don't, I'm not there, but that's the time when they should most come so that the people who are in a healthy state can love up on them and can support them and can pray for them and can get involved in a way that shifts the energy. And if they just stay home, then they stay in the same energy and they get stuck in it. So, yes, I, I like what you said about, you know, if something's going on with you, tell me so I can support you in that. 
Because like you say, if they stay home, then they'll talk themselves into the fact that it was a good move. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good thing I stayed home rather than, you know, went out and because then they'll build up a story about how other people would not have helped them and and, and everything that would have gone wrong. So one more thing I say when you uh, to to finish that answer, uh, how God, the part God plays for me. I think that uh, when you talk about depression, a lot of times people like to say the devil is busy and the devil is doing this to me and the devil is doing this. Well, I don't give the devil credit for anything in my life because mm-hmm. the most of us, we have really, there's, I think there's, maybe, there's three spots in the Bible that we really get to, to witness the devil. That's in the beginning uh, when they, you know, that with the apple, then when he tempts Jesus, and then in the end, uh, in the book of Job, <clears throat> and and Job is the one where you most you get the most um, exposure to him. And here's my point: right there at the beginning of the book of Job, the devil comes in, and God says, "Where have you been?" And he says, "Oh, I've been around and about," and and he wants to get out and create mischief. And God says, "Well, had you considered my servant Job?" In other words, God gives the devil permission to do what he does. The devil does nothing of his own. Uh, uh, he has mm-hmm. no power. So he says, well, I'm going to go get Job. And God says, okay, you can get it, but here's your limit. And the devil has to do the limit that God gives him. So that's, mm-hmm. where I, that's how I, I never give the devil credit. Anything that's going rough in my life, now I can go to the book of Proverbs. And it says good and bad comes from God. So if something bad that I perceive as bad is going on in my life, I still give God credit for that. Yeah, because the perception is the human perception. It's a story we make up about what's happening, not what is actually happening. Mm. So the way that the way that I talk about that a lot is that there is no duality. There's only God. It's the exact same thing you just said. So... It, there's nothing that can happen outside of the circle of God, outside of God's power or this power of spirit. And so the story I make up about it can is up to me. I can say, oh, my goodness, I am completely out of money and I'm going to be evicted and I don't have enough food for the next week. I'm a failure. Or I can say those exact same things and say, well, clearly I'm supposed to be moving and connecting with new people and there is something really good in store for me. This is, this is a really tough journey for me right now, a tough part of my journey, and I know it must be leading to something good. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, you know, but I'm not a victim of as you said, the devil. Yeah. It's just these are life circumstances, and I get to choose where I stand in them and how I stand in them. And I, I used to always laugh. You know, I, I always said we always hear about testimony, how exciting it is to be the testimony. And so that's that's the mindset I would put myself in also when I was having a tough time. I'd say, oh, my goodness, I'm getting ready to be a testimony. <laughs> and then that's just what I do. I'd laugh. I said, I don't believe I said that. But I stuck. I said, yeah, but yeah, this is this is it. I'm getting ready to be a testimony. Wow. 
And I'm going to be able to help more people because, again, that's what God gave me this life for is to spread the joy. And so uh, I, I really get excited about uh, about it. And, and, the, and, the, and I'm glad to say that my life has gotten to a point where every now and then I just sign my text messages golden, you know, living my life like it's golden and uh, just enjoying seeing the things that, um, that, that come to me when I know to be patient. I love it. So we have mentioned a lot of things in the last 20, 25 minutes. We've talked about scripture. We've talked about reading the Bible or whatever sacred text resonates with you. We've talked about journaling and how it can help us sustain um, a sense of calm and faith during a really difficult time. I mentioned prayer. We didn't talk a lot about it, but I mentioned prayer. I'm just thinking, are there any other spiritual practices or any other um, things that come to mind when you think about what you personally have done or have relied upon when you have been facing or struggling with really difficult situations? I think that it's just picking any of those things we talked about but having the repetition committing to doing it every day whatever it is so that it, but it does, it's not going to it's not a one shot deal oh i can pray today and my problems are solved you know if if it's prayer if it's meditation you know whatever it is to commit to doing it don't beat yourself up if you don't do it at eight o'clock in the morning every day sometimes you do it at eight sometimes you do it at four thirty. you know but just you know, commit to I'm going to get through this and, and I'm going to do my, my daily vigil on making myself see that I'm all right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, so often we don't do daily spiritual activities, spiritually grounding activities, when things are going great. And then when things are going bad, we might, like you said, do one prayer one time, like, we treat God as like, um, okay, I'm dialing 911. Come on. How long is it going to take the ambulance to get here? And, and then it's supposed to all be fixed. But the reality is, especially in our life experiences, when we're struggling through hard times, it's usually something that didn't happen overnight and isn't going to end overnight. Even if it's the unexpected death of someone we love, the experience may happen or they may die unexpectedly in a car crash um, or have a heart attack or a stroke, but the experience of accepting the death, planning the funeral, having the memorial service, dealing with family, that's not a one-minute, one-shot thing. So I agree with you. The repetition, that's why we call it spiritual practice. That's why one of my taglines for the show is practice makes progress. Right. We, we have to practice our spiritual connection so that we are really clear about the messages that come into us. So I completely agree with you. And I'm just thinking, is there anything else that comes to mind for me? And no, I think we hit a lot of the spiritual practices that really, really work. 
So I want to thank you for, for having this conversation with me and uh, give you an opportunity to tell people who are listening if they want to know more about you and find out more of some of those amazing acronyms that you're known for. How would they get in touch with you or where can they find you on the Internet? I'm at uh, www.sportyking.com. How easy is that? <laughs> From there, you can connect to just about everything that I do. Well, fabulous. Thanks so much, Sporty, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. Built on the premise that one person can make a difference, Tough Angels assist in creating safe havens for women and children of violence in developing countries, providing to help educate them and support them in restoring dignity, hope, and healing. And you can help by participating in the Tough Angels Wedding Ring Project. Repurpose old wedding rings, jewelry, rings, whether broken or missing parts. Through a unique arrangement, Tough Angels can receive full refinery price, making your donations go even farther. To mail your old jewelry, visit their website, toughangels.org. That's toughangels.org. Or call them at 303-880-8086. That's 303-880-8086. Toughangels.org. One person can make a difference. Visit them at toughangels.org. Where will you find Tarot, Angel Card Readers, Psychics, Clairvoyants, Healers, Dreams, Feng Shui, Past Life, Aura Photos, and much more. Only at the Dallas Psychic Fair, the oldest and largest psychic fair in North Texas. Admission's just $7, plus there's a $2 off coupon online. All readings are $15, and you can pre-book and pre-pay for your readings on the Dallas Psychic Fair website. You'll find complete details plus a $2 off admission coupon on their website, DallasPsychicFair.com. That's DallasPsychicFair.com. Simply the best since 1979. Presented by Enterprises. Hi, I'm Tracy Brown. Please join me here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network for Spiritual Practices That Work. Together, we'll experience inner peace, we'll learn how to be calm in a crisis, recognize and honor our connection to spirit, and so much more. So join me here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. If you are ready to attract what you want and release the rest, I'll see you right here Tuesday evenings, 9 p.m. Central. This is Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. Everybody say Namaste, 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 Namaste. Hi, and welcome to this week's highly recommended. I am very excited about sharing with you John Neese and his recommendations. John is the spiritual leader at Unity of Alameda in California, and he's also a licensed practitioner with Centers for Spiritual Living. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great, Tracy. How are you? Fabulous. You know, this segment, highly recommended, is... um, 
really important in my mind because it allows all of our listeners to get many different perspectives about ways that they can enhance their spiritual practice or learn more about spiritual practice. So I really appreciate you being willing to share with us today. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So now what some of our listeners will already know about you is that you are an amazing musician and singer. Your latest CD is Life, There Is One Life. Is that correct? There's One Life. That's correct. And is there anything that we should know about it, or is it one of your recommended resources? (laughs) Well, I want to talk about one of the recommended resources is music in general, and specifically music that lifts you up. So the CD, There's One Life, uh, the title track, There's One Life, was the project that I did when I was in Foundations um, many, many years ago. I wrote that song, and it's, the lyrics are, There's One Life, There's One Love, There's One Infinite Presence, I'm One With God, which is, as people who practice religious science know, that's step, basically step one and step two of the five steps of treatment. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of my signature song. But, uh, you know, besides me, I mean, there's so many people out there that are writing positive music. There's, you know, the Karen Druckers and the Jamie Lewis of the world and the Ricky Byers Beckwith of the world. The thing I want to, this concept I want to introduce to people, though, is this, there's a concept called an earworm. I don't know if you, have you ever heard of that? I have heard that word, but I don't really, really know what it means. And earworm is when a song gets stuck in your head. It's, the, it's that, the, there's actually a word that describes that thing when a song gets stuck in your head. And you mm-hmm. kind of can't get it out. Well, it, it's almost like that is a brain virus for us, but it's a brain virus that's really healthy for us. It's a really mm-hmm. good thing to have a Karen Drucker or a Ricky Byers Beckwith or a John E. song stuck in your head and you, and it just runs over and over again. And it is, it acts like a mantra. So um, we don't call them mantras, but that's actually how they function. They function as a spiritual practice. So if you if you are driving down the freeway and all of a sudden what you find yourself doing is, I am so blessed, I am so blessed, I am so grateful for all that I have. I mean, that, that kind of thing alters your consciousness. It, it dramatically changes and shapes how you're perceiving the world. Um, there's an old saying, it goes, he who sings prays twice. Mm, nice. So there's this quality of that the music combination with the, the positive um, affirmation actually does something differently on a, on, a, you know, on a mental level, on a spiritual level, on a psychic level. So adding music to the aspect of, of a, a positive saying um, really does alter you and it lifts you up in a different way. So that's one spiritual practice that I, I cannot recommend high enough. It, it really is, for me, one of the ultimate ways to practice spirituality on a daily basis is to make sure that you're listening to positive music that lifts you up. I love that because, not only because I agree with it, but I also love that because so often people will say, I can't sing and I don't know music, but we all can know what we like and what lifts us up, and we don't have to be the one who sings it in order to be um, inspired by it. Right, and I'm going to tell you something, that that 
the people there. It's a very few people who actually cannot sing, but there's a cultural bias. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. that that we're taught. There's a, this old phrase: children should be seen and not heard. Yes, which is very European, and it's very. Um, it, uh, you know, I, I don't want to identify any particular religious group, but it very was very was um, very much Protestant. European kind of notion of children don't participate in the life of the family. They, they, you know, don't make noise. And I remember my parents saying, don't make unnecessary noise. They actually would say that. And if you look at um, other cultures where music is part of the family expression, there's just this amount of joy that goes along with the music within the tribe, within the within the group, within the family, when they actually make music together. So the thing is, when people say, oh, I can't sing, it's, uh, I've been taught not to sing, but I'm going to say that functionally, biologically, we're actually made to be singers. We're actually made for singing. And it's very few people who actually don't have the equipment. And some of that is based on genetics or, or damage done to the ear, but that's that's a small population. The larger population, people listening to a radio program now who can actually hear what we're saying, for the most part, 99.9% of them can actually sing. They just don't know how to. If they, if mm. they say they can't, it's just I haven't learned, I've never been taught, or I shut that part of me down. And in an earlier conversation with, with Debbie Martin, we talked about that, and it seems to me that in the United States especially because we have such a competitive culture Mm -hmm. that people get the message that, oh, I can't sing in comparison to, you know, someone who makes a living doing it and they shut themselves down. And, and yeah, the conversation with her was um, all about opening your voice and, and stepping into your voice and how your voice can become that representation of freedom. So um, so I love that you started out with music can lift you up and music is an important spiritual practice. So what else would you tell someone who wants to deepen their spiritual practice or you know, something that has influenced and impacted you in growing your spiritual practice? Well, I always recommend classes, but I don't want to talk about the classes, but I want to talk about something that happened to me in one of the classes. So Mm -hmm. I think it was Spiritual Mastery, which is one of the the CSL classes that are available. It's one of the advanced classes before practitioner. But it was one of the classes where we we were writing treatments. So there's a notion of writing down what you're praying for is important. Now, Coming from the musical perspective, what I found myself wanting to do is experiment with writing in verse. So, and it was a little difficult in the class because my 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 uh, teacher and the TAs didn't know exactly what to do with me because I was writing I was writing haiku and I was writing um, poetry versions of my treatments, and they were like, "Wow, well, is he getting what we're doing?" So let me I have an example of a haiku. So, you know, haiku has a very strict form. It's five syllables, yes. syllables and five syllables. Okay, here's, here's one. A seed in black soil, like a word into the law, trust and release it. Mm. The thing that, that's beautiful about poetry is that it makes you actually work. So when people, it, it, you work differently with your brain when you're crafting poetry. You actually set parameters you set guidelines, you set um, obstructions 
but obstruction mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but in an artistic way, like saying, okay, I'm going to, there's this artist in New York City for, for three years, all he did was paint three lines. He painted three lines and painted three lines and painted three lines over and over again. There's something about creating a world that you have to follow these particular rules and structures. Let me give you a little bit of iambic pentameter. So iambic pentameter is the, the meter and verse that Shakespeare wrote in. Right. I'll just read a little bit of this one because it's a long treatment, but I'll just read a little bit. There is one mind that I call the mind of God, and in that mind all things are given birth. Creation breathes and sings. I call it good. The planets, stars, the seas, all things on earth. The mind in me is just like spirit's mind. In microcosm is expressing now, beginning here and ever for all time. I'm one with God. This tr- This is a truth I know. It alters. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I want... Okay, so I don't want you to read the whole thing in this segment because we have a limited time. Yeah. But I want one of those. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But the thing, the thing that I would encourage people to do is actually write write your own, right? You know, you can find out what iambic pentameter is. And you, I, what I've used is I use the Excel spreadsheet. And, mm-hmm. I, and I put a syllable in each cell to make sure it went, it went the iambic pentameter is da 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 Right. And it has to have that pattern. So I said, this is the rule I'm going to set up, and this is what I want to do. And then, and then, then in the writing of it, it, it made me think of what words I should choose here in this particular moment. So a lot of times what they're expecting is this kind of free verse flowing kind of treatment in class. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah, that's fine, but I want to, I want to try these other ways of writing writing a treatment. And there's something about the rhythm that, that and maybe I respond to it partially because I'm a, I, I re, a musician, but I think when I've read them to people out loud, when they're not reading them on the paper, but when I've read them out loud, sometimes people get like full. They get, you know, their eyes well up and they, you know, it, it moves them. Yes. And even just hearing the excerpt for me, I was completely drawn in in a different way. And I agree with you. It's it's the combination of words and rhythm that ignites a feeling tone that wouldn't be there if I was simply listening to freeform narrative and hearing it and, you know, kind of defining the words in yeah. my head. Yeah. You know, what strikes me is, the, of course, this show is spiritual practices that work. And one of the things I say all the time is practice makes progress because it's not about perfection. And so the writing, whether it's haiku or iambic pentameter, you have to know what you want to say, but then you're working with the meaning and the words and the flow. So you're just putting feeling into what it is that you're declaring. And absolutely, you're working the process. I love that. Yeah. So then I have one more that I want to talk about, and that's that's okay. what I call uh, treatment ping pong. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what this is. Yeah, it's um, so I have uh, I, re- I recommend for everybody that they have a prayer partner, um, mm-hmm. so you know someone to pray with on a regular basis. And I've had uh, rather long relationships. One even starting when I was in um, the basics class. Treatment ping pong is is that you after you've talked through what you're going to pray for each other about, you alternate sentence by sentence, and you build on the thing that the last person said. 
So if, if you and I were doing a treatment, I'd say a sentence, then you'd say a sentence, then I'd say a sentence, then you'd say a sentence. And we'd work through the five steps of treatment, but it, it's much more rapid fire because I have to add to what you just said. Yes. I am doing this tomorrow. My prayer <laughs> partner is. <laughs> my my prayer partner's in for a big surprise tomorrow. Sure, you want to try? You want to practice a little bit right now? Sure. All right. There is one infinite presence, infinite life in and through the entire universe. And the universe is the best example. The way that it works is the best example of the fact that there is no spot where God is not. And I exemplify that. I am that. I am living that. And Tracy exemplifies that. Tracy is living that. Tracy is that. And I know that John is the truth of the essential nature of spirit and God just as I am. And just as I am, I declare and speak my word in this moment, knowing that all things are perfect, whole, and complete. And it is in that completeness that I declare that John's best and highest must unfold, and every intention that he has set must be manifest. And for this manifest, for this time in consciousness, I give great thanks. Mm, and I breathe that in, knowing that these words are the truth. The truth that I release into the law, knowing it is, it is fulfilled and done. And we both say, and so, and it, so it is. Now, see, the thing that that forces you to do is to really be present when you're speaking with somebody else, because you never know when it's going to get turned over back to you. And you have to build on the thing that was just said. Exactly. I love that. I love treatment ping pong. Okay, listeners, you heard it here. Treatment ping pong. It's your homework assignment. Go find someone to play ping pong with. I love it. I the knew that. I that like about it, the thing I like about it is that it, it's rapid, and it really keeps you on your toes, and you have to be boom right there for the next thing that's going to get said. Yes. And in in us just playing, obviously, we had not set any specific um, cause or condition or purpose. So we were just kind of modeling what it might look like and how fast it could go. But obviously, the going back and forth in that statement that's declaring, in the realization step that's declaring what you really want to experience and what you are claiming, you know, to manifest, I I just know that's going to ramp my spiritual practice up to the next level and that's why i have you and others sharing what you highly recommend during this segment we didn't plan that that was actually a great i think we did a really great example but we didn't plan it but no i i think we're i think i'm good well, I really appreciate you, John Neese. I am so glad you said yes. And I'm sure our listeners will have comments, facebook.com slash spiritual practices. John, thanks so very much. You're welcome, Tracy. Have a blessed day. Wow. That's our highly recommended segment today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And for more information about John and what he's doing, visit unityofalameda.com. This is Michael Bernard Beckwith, the founder of Agape International Spiritual Center, saying, 
Listen, you don't want to miss Wake Up, the sound of transformation, right here on Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. It's going to be a wonderful moment. Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Central. It's going to change your life. Here we go with Spiritual Practices Makeover. This is Tracy. And every week in every show, we do a Spiritual Practices Makeover. And it's an opportunity to look at and pay attention to someone's specific question or situation and think about how could a shift in spiritual practices be brought to that situation? And this week, we have an email from Shifting Gears. She says, for many years, I've had a consistent spiritual practice in the early morning. It included meditation and devotional reading or study. But in the past year, I've gained a lot of weight, so I've made a commitment to exercise every day. The problem is this. Incorporating exercise into my day only seems to fit in the morning before I start work. So exercise time has pretty much replaced my spiritual practice. Any ideas? Signed, Shifting Gears. Oh, thanks, Shifting Gears. I love this. It's so real, and so many people have the challenge of whether it's exercise or getting their kids to school or just getting organized and getting out. You know, how do I, how do I honor my desire for spiritual practice? or my commitment to integrate spiritual practice in my life and still do all the other things that I need to do in my life. So first, let me congratulate you on your commitment to exercise regularly. Actually, quite as it's kept, my body could use some of that. But I don't believe your spiritual practice doesn't have, doesn't need to be eliminated. You know, I don't think you have to eliminate your spiritual practice. It's not an either or situation, spiritual practice or exercise, exercise or spiritual practice. The most obvious response that comes to mind for me is that exercise actually could be viewed as a spiritual practice. You know, it really is caring for and growing a really deep awareness of the body temple. So just like eating a meal, you could simply say a blessing before you begin to exercise in order to set the tone. A simple affirmation you might use before beginning exercise in the morning so that you are connecting your spiritual practice and exercise might be an affirmation like, I love my body. I love taking care of my body. My body is the expression of God. I love my body. I love taking care of my body. My body is the expression of God. Since you're already grounded in meditation, you know, you could also take 30 to 60 seconds of prayer or meditation on a theme that's important for your day or week before beginning. So instead of meditating for 30 minutes like you might have done before, you could translate that or transform that into 30 seconds or 60 seconds of meditation and then allow the physical movement of whatever exercise you're doing to lock that in, to lock in whatever you have set as an intention and combine the power of mental 
thought, mental intention with physical activity. Here are some ways, let's shift a little bit and shift into some ways to pump up the spiritual practice side of the process. So you're still exercising, but maybe let's say if you're lifting weights or you're doing anything that's repetitive, like walking on a treadmill, you could actually use that time to repeat a prayer or a mantra or a cycle of prayers while you're doing that activity. For example, I'm imagining doing bicep curls. And when I am pulling the weight up, I might say, I am happy and grateful for overflowing abundance and prosperity. And then as I exhale and release the weights, I simply, you know, exhale or breathe and let it soak in. But then every time I raise the weights, I could repeat that same uh, affirmation or intention. Another idea, if you're a runner or if you ride a bike, you could set an intention to look for 25 signs of abundance as you exercise. So as you're running, you're actually paying close attention to your environment and looking for 25 signs of abundance or prosperity or any other spiritual principle or quality of God you might choose for that day. So turn off the iPod and pay attention to the environment around you and make that your spiritual practice. Or if you're working out at home or in the gym, an alternative might be to actually turn the iPod iPod up. But instead of listening to music, listen to a spiritually focused lesson or talk, or maybe play your favorite spiritually enriching music. So I hope these ideas are helping you shifting gears if you're listening today or anyone else who might have that same problem or issue. So far, I focused on things you could do while you were exercising, but I also want to share a couple of ideas you can incorporate throughout your day if you're actually replacing the time and you want to have your spiritual practice separate from your exercise time. Instead of concentrating your practice into a designated time in the morning, you might be able to find three 10-minute time slots in your day. You could use one slot for reading, devotional reading or scriptural reading, one slot for prayer or meditation, and maybe one slot for a gratitude process or a gratitude practice. And that way you may not have 30 minutes or 45 minutes at one specific time, but most of us can find 10 minutes here or there and make a pattern of that. You might also consider developing a completely different practice than you had before that incorporates saying affirmations every time you're in the car and you're stopped at a red light, a traffic signal that's red. And use that, make that your practice, and, you know, it's a minute here, it's a minute there, but if you're in your car a lot, you'll have lots of opportunity to use affirmations or to affirm your spiritual truth. And... Another thing that you might consider since you're changing your spiritual habits and patterns anyway, this time of transition might be a great time to consider finding a prayer partner and agreeing to meet by phone or in person two to three times a week 
to simply share an inspirational quotation or share a prayer request. You might want to structure the calls so you each have five to seven minutes to share, 15 minutes total tops. Try it for 90 days and then renegotiate the schedule. So while I have so many ideas flowing through my head right now, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So if you are in need of a spiritual practices makeover, drop me a line at Tracy at ReclaimJoy.com or post it to my Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash spiritual practices. So the time has come to say goodbye for this week. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Practices That Work. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Sporty King, the king of acronyms. One of his best known is how to be ugly, unique, gifted, lovable you. For more information about Sporty King, visit SportyKing.com. And big thanks to John for Treatment Ping Pong and the other recommendations he shared. For more information about John Neese, go to unityofalameda.com. And thanks to Chuck Murphy, Engineer Extraordinaire, and the Spiritual Journeys Radio Network. I'd love to know what you think about today's show, so please post a comment at facebook.com slash spiritual practices or send me an email at tracy t-r-a-c-y at reclaimjoy.com I want to end today's show with this Jean Houston quotation to deepen the relationship with the beloved follow the same principles of relationship that you pursue in the human realm thus you live the relationship throughout the day bringing the same sensitivity to nuance and fine-tuning that you would bring to a human love relationship I love that quote and I challenge you in the coming week to deepen your relationship with the beloved through spiritual practices that work. Bye for now.